everybody, and welcome to Joyfully You podcast. Today, we have Megan Ladd with us. Megan Ladd is a joy coach who helps you avoid burnout and experience more joy in your day-to-day life. Her specialty is teaching you how to feel focused and productive while you're working, and then fully present and free to enjoy the rest of your life when you're not. Over the past five years, Megan has helped all kinds of ambitious women from Forbes 30 under 30 business owners to VPs of Fortune 500 companies. She's helped them create the lives that they are excited to wake up to every day. Megan, thank you so much for joining us on Joyfully You podcast. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Me too. I stumbled across your Instagram and I instantly felt um, this resonance and this like kindred spirit that I was like, Ooh, I want to, so to speak, play. (laughs) I want to have a play date and talk about things around joy and around giving ourselves that permission. And so I just want to thank you again for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I felt the same way. The power of Instagram. (laughs) It's so cool that through those little squares, you can feel that resonance and I could just tell we were going to vibe. So It is so cool, right? There's so many people around. I mean, I end up talking to a lot of people in San Diego, which is kind of funny, but around the globe, that's all from Instagram that I've never met in person, but I'm like, oh, but I have so much love for that person. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so fun. So I'd love to hear like you, you work with ambitious people of like how to avoid that burnout. You know, how did you get started teaching this? Do you have, did you experience that yourself? I most definitely did. I am a former overachiever myself. And the way that I think about it is I'm still a high achiever. I still love going after those big dreams. I love like the thrill of seeing that expansion and what else can I do with this work. But the distinction in my mind, like the overachiever, once you achieve, it's a very uh, temporary high. It's fleeting because you're looking for that sense of worthiness and satisfaction outside of yourself. And so it's like this cycle that never really ends versus the main distinction as a high achiever, you are still achieving the things, but without that uh, seeking outside of you to feel that sense of happiness and accomplishment. And so you still get to do amazing things, but without exhausting yourself in the process. And in my personal experience, that kind of pressure I put on myself, that mental and emotional exhaustion is what took all of the fun out of the achieving anyways. So I'm pretty sure I was like an overachiever most of my life up until I burnt out and I never even realized that that was optional. And it was actually kind of confusing in hindsight because I do think culturally like you know, pushing yourself is a generally accepted way to succeed or something that we're shown often from a young age. And it was confusing because within a school system, like pushing myself to get good grades and achieve more, it's like you're rewarded in a sense with the good grades, or it was almost like even going back to high school, the more you could add to your college application or the more you could do and put on your plate, that was really celebrated and acknowledged and like, wow, look at how many extracurriculars and good grades and all this stuff. And I really identified with that. Like that was part of my identity as like a good student, a good performer. Uh, Meanwhile, I was like totally exhausted all of high school. I have no idea how I operated on such little sleep, but I do think it was an important lesson because I brought that with me into the uh, working world. And the first job I had that I was really excited about 
was working with Danielle Laporte and I had just loved her books. I loved what she was putting out into the world. It was self-help related. I really felt called to do that. But I basically took my like high school self and what had worked then, I thought what worked then was totally exhausting outside of the container of a schooling system because like there weren't classes or projects that ended and there weren't like grades that I could rely on for validation. All of a sudden it was like my inner perfectionist had a field day and was like, this is your dream opportunity. You have to prove that you're the right person. There's no room for errors. Go above and beyond. Say yes to everything. And I totally burnt myself out and kind of learned the hard way, which I think a lot of people do of like, I think it can take physical wake up calls. It can certainly take that like mental, emotional depletion sometimes to even open up to a different way. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a turning point for me. Beautifully coincided with a personal development program I was going through where I was looking at my own stuff. So that came in handy and really was the catalyst for like, okay, I need to put some of this behavior in check because I am like driving myself into the ground and I'm not seeing my friends and I'm exhausted all the time and I have headaches and I'm grinding my teeth in my sleep, right? Like Mm -hmm. all this stuff. So you're getting like actual physical ailments of it. Yes. Yeah. We have very similar stories with that. Really? Oh yeah. I experienced burnout too. And that was the turning point where I was like losing hair behind my ears. I had adrenal fatigue, which I didn't know was adrenal fatigue until later, you know, looking back on it. I was going to the chiropractor like every other week because I had just, I just thought, oh, I just have neck and back problems, but it was directly related to the incredible amounts of stress. And like, for me, it was people pleasing of not knowing how to say no and being in that corporate world of being like, I have to prove I'm worthy of being here. Cause I didn't yeah. have that self-worth of, of recognizing like now I can look back, right. We can always see things clear and looking back of, Oh, I was worthy of being there because I was there. Like yeah. I didn't need to prove it. So like, it, it's so beautiful to hear, you know, your, your story as well of, your testament of what's led you to now helping people with that exact thing. I definitely uh, have experienced that same, that same burnout feeling. It's really defeating. Totally. And you know, it's interesting, just as you mentioned, like the neck and back pain, I was, I'd also started going to a chiropractor because I had this mystery neck pain and we were trying to figure it out. And I remember I went on a week long trip to visit a friend in Phoenix and I just felt like The dry heat was very healing, but also I spent that whole week just laughing with my friend and de-stressing and wouldn't you know it, my neck pain magically disappeared. And really it's just, I just released so much pressure and anxiety and it was like my body no longer, it kind of healed, right? It didn't need to give me that warning sign like, hey, slow down, you're pushing yourself too hard. And so I started to get a sense of like the mind-body connection and, um, It's just kind of fascinating once you know to look for it. You're like, oh, my body was screaming at me to slow down. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely like a similar thing where I ended up walking away from the job and walking away from a a really unhealthy relationship. And when I did, I I ended up moving to Costa Rica. So mine was literally like a ricochet effect of like, I felt like I was in a slingshot, like being pulled, pulled, pulled around. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then it was like, I let go then boom, move to another country because I didn't know how, like I, it's almost 
like I needed that reset, but all of those mystery medical issues went away. Yeah. They all went away when the stress went away. Wow. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't still have stress, but now I know how to regulate it. You know, so I would love to hear how do you, because I'm sure because not all stress is bad stress. So how do you um, manage the pressure? And I know that that's a big part of your teachings too, is how to not put too much pressure on themselves, how to use that, not to rely on pressure. So can, can you kind of walk us through like how um, you approach that in your own life? Totally. And I, I do think it's really common when people reach that burnout point to either take a sabbatical or do something similar to what you did, where it's just like a total life 180. You just need to change your environment for a bit. And part of why I'm so passionate about this work is I love helping people catch it before it's kind of reached that low point because it's, it's one place to work from, but I find like the sooner you can catch it, the easier it is to work with. And especially from a physical perspective, like if you can work with it before the physical symptoms start showing up, just saves a lot of time and energy. So I love thinking about um, like catching the early, early warning signs, like you might be headed towards burnout if kind of thing. So just as an example, like if you're losing some of the passion for your work, especially if it's work that you really normally enjoy, like things like that. Um, to kind of catch it ahead of track. But I will say just in terms of dealing with stress, that's something I for sure do now and teach is like knowing your body's warning signs. And so like headaches, for instance, is one of mine. Anytime I get a headache for the most part, it's usually, I can just feel it coming on. If I check in with myself, usually I've like started to overcommit or I'm like, doing a, like stretching myself a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I started to fall into that habit of like, from a place of enthusiasm initially, like, Oh my God, I can do all the things without like actually checking in with my energy levels and what's humanly possible. So that's one way to kind of check in and manage ahead of time is just knowing the unique ways that your body speaks to you and is like, Hey, pump the brakes. But in terms of the pressure piece, this comes back to how much of this kind of overachiever exhaustion can be resolved on a mental and emotional level, because a lot of people, myself, former self included, tend to think that pressure is just inevitable. It's something that exists outside of us, like a high pressure job, things like that, or a high pressure situation, or like, oh, if you're an entrepreneur, it's going to be this like really stressful process. And I love pulling back from that and looking at how the pressure is optional and how it comes from that place inside you alluded to before of like wanting to prove yourself and wanting to feel like you're enough mm -hmm. and be liked and feel like you did a good enough job and get that validation. Because when you take that piece out, it's like when you can bring healing and resolution to that part inside, there's not really a lot of pressure to perform. Then you just get to do the work and it just becomes that kind of flow state that I know you're familiar with where you just get to like hopefully be doing work that you love without that added element of like mm -hmm. get it right don't mess up make sure you perform absolutely oh I totally agree with that and it's the big thing for me was removing this expectation of what I think it should look like and then all of a sudden it gets to be fun I get to like live in the creativity which is 
which is one of the biggest drivers for entrepreneurship for me anyways. And like, I know you resonate with that as like the joy of connecting with people. I mean, this is like so perfect to have you as a guest (laughs) on Joyfully You podcast, right? Um, Is how we can access and unlock that joy. And, And I love how you said that, you know, the pressure is optional. And I can hear that and feel that where I am today. But if I would have heard that four or five years ago, I would have been like, are you kidding me? Right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yes. I know it does sound at first it's, it can feel, I can remember that version of myself too. And I'm like, it definitely didn't feel optional in the moment. And so I think this is where, you know, whether it's even just learning, like I remember at first, before I started working with a coach, I was just like reading, immersing myself in stuff around this. And for each person, there's their own entry point. But I think finding a piece like within yourself, you're like, okay, if I were just trying on this concept, that pressure is self-created, like what part of me feels like I need to prove myself here? Like, what am I trying to prove? And just starting to answer those questions And I love the question, like what part of myself and starting to think about like your inner achiever or your inner perfectionist or inner people pleaser. If you can find one of those that you relate to kind of within this concept of pressure yourself created, I think it can be an easier access point. So for me, one of the first things that I resonated with that I could kind of be like, oh yeah, this is accurate is being a people pleaser. Like I could honestly look at my life and see like, how might this be true? And I was like, my, okay, I, I'm reading these different things, describing it and these behaviors. And I was going to some like coaching workshops and retreats. And I was like, yeah, this is, this seems like something I could work on. So that's something I recommend to, you know, it can feel overwhelming sometimes to think about totally rewiring everything in your being overnight. So just starting where you are, starting with the next thing that feels like an an easy access point that you're just willing to explore, start working with in the same way that, you know, most people starting working with a new coach wouldn't come into the first session. Like, let's like explore every single limiting belief I have, every obstacle. Let's just conquer them all at once. It's like you start where you are. What's most at the surface today? What do we want to work on? That's just like right there for us. Mm, that's so good. Finding the entry point. I really like that, the way that you describe that. And that's question, if you guys write that question down, you know, what part of me feels the need to, it's almost like fill in the blank, right? Overperform, create yeah. pressure, say yes, or whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and that's so powerful. Um, the the self-inquiry, right? Asking ourselves these questions. Uh, what are some, do you use like meditation or journaling, like these tools, or is it up there where you can ask yourself the question and the answers come, you know, what's kind of your process of the self-inquiry? Yeah, there's so many different ways you can do it. So I always encourage people to, again, just go with what feels natural And so usually in this moment, like if I were coaching you, for instance, I would turn it back around. Like if someone asked me, I'd be like, well, if you check in, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? There's so many different things we can choose from, but I I love hearing people's first instinct. Mm -hmm. I'm very visual. So like personally, I love like a question and answer kind of journaling session with myself, but I also know people who are more auditory learners or listeners and just prefer to listen to a guided meditation 
prefer to just listen in, check in with their own thoughts or, you know, like to do a guided visualization for 20 minutes and then see what comes forward. So it kind of goes back to that theme of like trusting what feels organic to you as the entry point and going from there. So in terms of the self-inquiry, I would check in. Like if someone were listening to this right now, it's like, do I want to seek out some journal prompts? Like I know you offer those. Is that helpful for me just to know what to even ask myself? Or would I rather just kind of get quiet, tune in, just remembering you can't, you can't do it wrong. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. There's no wrong way. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask too, some of the, the teachings and the coaching that you do is around giving ourselves permission to slow down to, it's almost like slowing down to get ahead, which is against kind of the hustle culture we're taught and raised with, you know? Um, and so can you kind of elaborate on that of like maybe some of the myths around slowing down and like facts and things like that? Yes. One of my favorite topics, there is like so much resistance (laughs) to slowing down. And it's really funny whenever I talk to a new client about this, how people describe their vision of slowing down initially like what their perceived notion of it is, is usually along the lines of just like Netflixing for hours. Like, (laughs) like they're just like, but I don't want to lay on the couch for eight hours. And I'm like, what? Like, this is like a totally made up version. I mean, you can do that if you want, but usually since I do tend to work with high achievers, that doesn't even sound that fun to them. Right. And I can relate to that because I love a good Netflix session, but usually after like a couple hours, I want to do something else anyways. And so first of all, it's about finding a way of slowing down that actually sounds fun to you. It's not like you need to sit and meditate for eight hours either. And, you know, I was just talking with a client today about like meditate. She was like, I just don't want to have to sit and meditate and just do bubble baths. And I'm like, right, because that's like not who you are. Right. But for her, like she loves playing Frisbee with her kids And I'm like, that counts. So I think part of the permission is like, you get to create your own definition of slowing down. And really it comes back to what feeds you, what gives you energy, what allows your brain to just play in a different space and rest and break out of that thinking. Like if you're kind of shifting gears from work mode, just using your brain in a different way. And an example of this is I remember when I was starting my coaching business, uh, I read something that that was basically like, helping people get into a professional mode with coaching, like just to help people treat it seriously. Like if you want to build a company, here are some steps that are supportive. And one of the suggestions was like, don't do housework during the day. And I totally see the validity in it of like, oh, if you're trying to support someone in taking their work seriously, it can be helpful to separate those things out. Meanwhile, over here, I've learned that doing dishes is the most relaxing thing for my brain. It's so mindless that ideas just drop in left and right. And it's like I enter a flow state while I'm washing dishes and it's like the most enjoyable, energizing thing. And I haven't ever seen that like listed on a blog as like ways to increase your productivity, but it's such a good example of just, it varies for every single person and no two brains are exactly alike. So like permission to trust the things that actually feel fun and energizing to you. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. And that's so cool because it's like the dish is something that people would normally 
not really think of something that could induce creativity, but because it's an autopilot thing, it allows the mind. And honestly, though, it's like, I resonate with that, you know, whether it's going for a walk or doing dishes or doing something that my body knows how to do that my mind doesn't have to work on. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do you have any other favorites or like go-tos in your life? For things that like induce creativity or slowing down. Just uh, that, like your brain gets that like dreamy, restful place. Oh yeah. So like for me, since a lot of the work that I do is on the computer, you know, most of my clients is all through video or recording stuff. I make it a point two to three times a day to go sit in the backyard and put my face in the sun, take my shoes off, put my feet on the grass. And it's like springtime here. So over the winter, you know, I didn't really get my feet in the grass because it was freezing and having cold feet. <laughs> nothing gets me more grumpy and frustrated than (laughs) cold feet. Like I have like so many fluffy socks. It's ridiculous. But now that we are in this time of the year, the springtime, being able to get the sun on my face and feeling that warmth. And sometimes I'll go and I'll do my Superman pose and I'll put my face up into the sun and I will just like, and I just imagine like breathing in the sun and the warmth and that like fiery strength, you know, of like breathing in that fiery energy and just like imagining it filling my body. So it's almost like this couple minute standing meditation thing. Um, but also a big thing that brings me like the creativity is the journaling in the morning and journaling at night. Um, but it's funny because I got a, I, I do uh, twice a month. I have a massage therapist that comes to my house and she's amazing. And I love her so much. And I always have to have my journal right next to the bed because, because <laughs> she, all my ideas come when my body's able to relax. So right when she steps out, I grab my journal and I'm like, Oh my God, that's the name of the mastermind. Oh my God. That's going to be my next reel. And it's like, okay, I've written it down and then I can fully like let it go because I know that it's, it's been dumped out and it's, it's there. I'm the same way. I got a <laughs> massage last week and this happens to me every time. It's like the mind and body are relaxed and then the ideas just come in. And the same thing in the shower, I started getting aqua notes, like these waterproof notes because it, it's just, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if you find this too. I have a feeling the answer is probably yes, where it's like, they're the kind of ideas that don't feel like they're filled with effort to bring to life. Like they have a different energy behind them. They're not just coming from like thinking really hard and like trying to force something forward. They just like flow through. And so then if you act on them, it's just, it's like, it comes from a different place. Absolutely. It's sourced from a state of relaxation, like the source <laughs> of the idea. And for me, when I get those ideas in the shower or massages, like when I'm physically so relaxed, um, I'm often super excited about it where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to share this name or this idea. I'm like working on this project with a friend. And so I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell her, you know, or, oh, I can't wait to do that real. That's going to be so fun. And it feels like to put it in my notes and then just let it kind of sit there and be like, oh, I'm so excited to do that. And I've, I think that I've trained myself to be like this because I know I didn't used to be, but I've trained myself to trust the process where I'm like, oh, that'll be so exciting when it's time to do that. And yeah. I know it'll be time when it's time versus um, in the past, like, you know, years ago, I would probably be like, 
create a story of anxiety around it, you know, of like, oh, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. And now I have had enough evidence and proof of it that my body can be in line with my mind of like, oh, when I do it will be the perfect time to do it. And I will know that's true because it'll be when it's done. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I think this is a really good point about the evidence too, because when you are just leaning into slowing down and like letting your system relax, it is so helpful if you can collect evidence of how like your world doesn't fall apart when you do that. And in fact, how you can get even more access to energy, inspiration, ideas. And so just even as a practical tip, like if someone previously was like, oh gosh, I know I should slow down, but that is not realistic. I'm going to lose all my momentum. I would often suggest to someone in that phase, like pick something super small and tangible, like standing outside in the sun for two minutes on a Tuesday and just notice how you feel afterwards. Notice what the rest of your day looks like, how things unfold, what happens to your level of productivity. And it's like when the brain is open, I'll phrase it like an experiment often because brains tend to like open up to that if it's not a long-term commitment. It's not like I'm like, you're officially slowing down forever. I'm like, just this week, just today, let's try it, see what happens. It's like people always come back and they're like, first of all, that felt amazing. I've done it every day since. And each time they do, it's like you get that reinforcement and you start to collect that evidence. And like you've built up this self-trust that you don't have to act on everything right away. It's safe. It totally works to jot the ideas down, to trust your natural nudges, to start the projects when it feels right. And like you built up enough evidence and you just feel it. It's just like true in your being now. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that, that process of collecting that evidence. That's such a good point because then it creates that positive association. So we don't have to force ourselves to do it. We look forward to doing it. And like, yeah, it's like, and it takes time to create those positive associations from the thoughts to the actions, to the beliefs, but it's all possible. It's all possible. And I think that's like the entry point for anyone is just believing it's possible. Yes. And actually a really good reference point. If people need kind of evidence ahead of time. Like they haven't done it yet. And they're like, I really want to try it, but my day is so busy. I don't know if I can afford to put one more thing on the calendar is I encourage people to think about a time that even if it was on vacation, just any time in their life where they felt relaxed and then they were able to actually create and do and achieve more after. So it kind of like caters to the inner achiever where it's like, Hey, this doesn't even have to be in a structured work setting. This could be decades ago. Was there ever a time in your life where you felt relaxed and good things came from it? And so I remember like one client in our first conversation, she remembered when she was on maternity leave and she didn't have to work because she'd totally taken off. And she's like, I was getting more ideas. I actually wanted to work because since I had full permission not to, there was, I was tapping into that like genuine desire. Like I kind of missed my work and I'm like, that's it. That's that feeling, right? Like when we don't have that pressure, you connect to like, oh, I actually want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, that's that feeling. So just if anyone has ever had an experience, I do think of vacation as a good reference point. I remember, I wish I knew where I heard this, but it just resonated. It was um, talking about how on vacation, part of why people like to send postcards or maybe like in the less digital times people would send postcards is because it actually felt really good to do something productive amidst all the relaxation. Like that balance was nice. 
Mm. And I think of that too, as like, I, sometimes I'll talk about creating a life that feels better than vacation in my eyes. That's like the life where you feel just as relaxed and happy, but you also have that satisfaction of doing something you enjoy and like putting something out into the world. And so that kind of combo is what I picture as like the ultimate kind of win-win. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And that's so interesting too, about the postcards of like still wanting to have this purpose of completing something and the sense of purpose. And it's so beautiful too, because the whole idea of postcards means that we're focusing now on sharing the love and sharing that relaxation with someone else. So it like goes back to like in our most relaxed true state, we want to help other people or give love and share love with other people, which, you know, that's why I think this entrepreneurship and coaching industry, you know, is growing because as people evolve with our own like purpose, we naturally want to elevate everyone around us and bring everyone with us. No, isn't it the best? <laughs> it I'm is. Like, it's so people, beautiful. Whenever people ask about coaching, I'm like, it's the best job ever. If you it feel is. called to do it, like, lean in because I always find that like the most successful and fulfilled coaches are the ones that start with that initial like pull. Like I just, I'm, I don't know. I remember having that feeling. I was like, this is a job. You can do this. Me too. I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you're making this positive impact in the world. Like you're able to kind of create your own lifestyle and like, and like for me, the whole idea of legacy was huge. Mm. You know, it's like, I want to know that when I pass that I've, there's a legacy, a ripple effect of like people being able to come home to their heart. And, um, you know, it's like that they feel, and this kind of comes full circle with some of the things we're talking about of creating that internal sense of safety, because I think one of the biggest reasons we don't slow down, especially women that are high achievers is, um, if everything is scheduled and packed, then everything is controlled and we don't need trust when everything's controlled. And so it's like learning how to create that space requires us to cultivate a sense of safety of like, I'm safe to relax. I'm safe to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so well said. It's hundred percent that feeling of safety and like at homeness within yourself. And because the I, I was totally that person, like with the calendar, with the scheduling and in that reality, it's like a false sense of control and you kind of know it deep down. Like you, you can feel because you can't control the world outside of you. It's like, even though you're trying so hard and you're like trying to manage all the things, you still know it's outside of your control. So it's like, you never get that. It's just, you're on the hamster wheel. And then it's like, I think that is part of why it feels scary to slow down is then you're just left with you. And so this is where like easing into that process and learning that, like you said, so well said, like it's safe to relax. It's safe to just be at home within your own being and the world's not going to fall apart. In fact, mm -hmm. like it's going to feel even better than ever, Yeah. but it's just like that initial kind of leap of faith of just being willing to lean in. I do think that's where sometimes it does take uh, enough discomfort to be willing to try something new where you're like, okay, this old way isn't working for me anymore. I'm open. Like slowing down seems a little intimidating, seems a little scary. Don't know how I'm going to do with that, but let me at least like try because this thing over here isn't sustainable. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, it makes me think of the stigma of what you were saying at the beginning of all the things, like what comes to mind when you think of slowing down and how some people, they associate like laziness and hours of Netflix. And so I feel like it'd be, that is a really good idea of like what comes to mind with slowing down. So then we can identify all of the assumptions about it that's blocking us from it. Um, yes. And like, what, what would you make that mean about you? If you were to slow down, like, am I lazy? Am I a couch potato? Um, I remember, you know, I've heard before clients have said like, I would, I don't know, I just feel like a loser or something like that. And it's really like their own inner critic has taken on these like judgments. And usually it's not even our own wiring or our own inner critic. Voice. It's like something, yeah, it's another voice or another lesson or, um, meaning that yes, or a parent or just like something outside of us that we just accepted as fact or truth of if you take a break or if you give yourself this time. I've heard um, selfish is a really common one too. Like this is selfish for me too. And that's where people feel guilty mm-hmm. often is they associate that that time for themselves as a selfish. And so even if a part of them deeply craves it in their mind currently, it also feels really wrong. Hmm. Mm, yeah. And that's like the self-inquiry can come in with that, right? Of like, where did I learn this? Who taught me this? How do I know this is true? Yeah. How <laughs> might this not be true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Starting to poke the holes in it, right? What else could be true? Yeah. A question that really has supported me through overachieving, but also like little addictions that kind of resurfaced themselves last year and throughout different times when we are, especially last year, I think everyone felt that sense of, oh, I'm really not in control right now. Even if there's some things we had control over or just, yeah, anyways, is what am I avoiding feeling? And that question has helped me so much, especially even the addiction to work, right? You know, if someone's a workaholic, there's, there's still a, an addiction there and really being honest with myself, like, what am I avoiding feeling? That question has revealed so much clarity. And a lot of the times it comes, if I'm really allowing the mind to slow down in order to answer that question, there's normally a breaking of a wall or something where the tears start coming through where I'm like, Oh, and it was surprising because a lot of the times it has been grief and I didn't realize that I'm like, Oh, I'm avoiding feeling grief. That's why all of a sudden I'm wanting to drink wine in the middle of the week when normally I only have it on the weekends. You know, it's like, why am I wanting to go like eat a, a weed gummy in the middle of the day? What's going on? You know, like, yeah. That's such a good catch. I love that question. And I find, because I've, I tune in with that too. And I find there's kind of like two routes it goes and where it's like the one is like the sadness or the grief or like an actual emotion that kind of needs to be moved through you or processed. Um, And then sometimes it's more of like the mental construct emotions, like guilt that are kind of, it, it just feels, um, it's easy to poke holes in from a coaching perspective, right? I just coached someone on this as top of mind, but it was like, well, if I do that, then I will feel guilty. And it seems like a fact, right? Like when a client is, they're like, this is just like inevitable that I will feel guilty. It's like only because of what you were making it mean. And it's like, when you look at that, so I'm picturing if someone were doing this on their own, like, what is the feeling I'm avoiding? And I'm picturing like a little flow chart, like, 
is it a feeling I need to sit with and process or is it a feeling that I can easily identify is coming from like just a made up meaning that I gave to this. That's like so optional. And, and I don't even really need to go through the processing of, I can just be like, Oh, I was just making it mean that I'm supposed to do all these other things, but literally nobody has told me that I just made up these rules for myself. And so it can be helpful, um, to just know that that's an option too, or it's like, do I need to process this? Or is this something that it's almost like smoke and mirrors? Like if I shine the spotlight on it and like wave my hand around a little bit, it can just, yeah. like, it's like, oh, that wasn't even a thing. I call those illusion. fear gremlins. I call them fear gremlins. Cause you remember <laughs> that movie and those crazy little creatures that just like F everything up. Yeah. Okay. Well, the way that they poof, you know, disappear is when they're exposed to the light. And so I feel like that's the same thing as like, oh, it's a fear gremlin. But once we identify it, it loses its power. It's like, oh, and it was funny because a client recently told me because she was using that, like, what am I avoiding feeling? She's like, oh my God, I was afraid of looking bad to my friends. And once she, because it was a process of trusting that she'll find the right house, Mm. you know, and she's in the process of moving and she's like, why am I feeling so angry about this? She's like, oh, I'm avoiding feeling shame because I'm afraid of what people might think. And I'm afraid of, I'm avoiding judgment. And she said, she was like so giddy and happy because she's like, I realized I was afraid of judgment because it lost its power. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Those moments are the best too. Cause you're like, well, that was easy. Like poof. It's like, I had one of those experiences personally recently, like last week where as soon as I saw that I was just listening to the fear. It was like, once I could identify it as fear, I was like, oh, this is like total BS. Like this is not actually even real. And then I didn't feel like I needed to to work through it. I was just like, oh, anyway, okay. Back to like what I actually know to be true. And it was so, it was re- a relief. Cause I was like, well, I just saved myself like lots of time and energy of like, yeah. but I also have been on that in that other place where, especially with a feeling like grief, I'm like, no, I, I need to process this. I can't just like, so I think it's knowing within yourself and mm-hmm. like starting to feel out the two, how those two different routes kind of go. Like, is this something that I can identify and it kind of starts to dissipate on its own? Or am I being called to just like actually be with and through this emotion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really love how you identified those two different routes. Cause that's really important. And it's, it's our own discernment of like being willing to sit with ourself to identify which it is, which is also involves slowing down, you know? And I think that like, I look back at like my, the past me and I love the, you know, how you were talking about the parts. I love talking about like the integration of the different parts of us, you know, and the way I used to operate was kind of like, inner child that wants to play and create and explore and talk to everyone I'd be like you need to go sit in the corner because we have work to do so it's like that was my that was me not slowing down was avoiding those parts of myself and being kind of like this little dictator to those other parts of me um and so it's like being willing to sit with ourselves, being willing to be with ourselves, right yeah and I I also think in terms of um just a way to catch maybe that inner part of you that wants to play or is really craving something slower. A phrase that I noticed this shows up with is I wish. And so whenever I catch myself saying it or a client saying it, 
what follows that statement is usually a genuine heartfelt desire that is available to us, but in the moment we're thinking is outside of our scope of what's possible. Mm. So it's like, I wish I could just like do this, like sit outside in the middle of the afternoon every day. Like that would just be amazing. But it usually comes from this place of like, that would be nice, but it's not available to me. And it's interesting if you start noticing within yourself, like, what do I, what am I wishing for? Cause this is, even if we just break it down, like this is a wish of yours, this is a desire. It can be very insightful to just notice like, oh, that's something that I want. Okay. If this were possible, let me just play with the realm of possibility. If I weren't to just write this off as like la la land, like sure would be nice. If I were to actually get curious about this, like how might this actually be possible? Mm. That is awesome. I love that so much, especially being able to self-identify because now I know for me and for anyone listening, when that I wish statement starts to leave the mouth, right? When it leaves, we're going to (laughs) start thinking like, wait a minute, what's possible here? (laughs) Totally. And it's funny too, because like sometimes it can be helpful to have a friend or a coach or just someone outside of you to share it with, because in our minds, sometimes it seems really extreme or totally impossible. And then when we say it out loud to someone who can kind of hold that space for us. So if it's a friend, someone who can kind of vision with you and like hold space for your future self, who you're becoming, if you tell them and you're like, yeah, like, like when we lived in Seattle, we would sometimes start to have conversations. Like, I wish we could go back to San Diego. And it was like, what if we could, like, what would that look like? And even though at first it was like, oh, so many logistics, breaking our lease, like X, Y, and Z, we just moved. It was like, okay, but like, if this, if we actually were exploring this, like what would be involved? And then lo and behold, came back to San Diego and it was a hundred percent in the realm of possibility, even though our, my initial reaction at least was like, oh my gosh, no, that's, that would be so nice, but it's like totally not possible. What a wonderful real life example. (laughs) Yeah. It was like on the surface, like made no sense and like was a huge pain in the butt, but then it actually wasn't a huge pain in the butt because it was riding on that energy of like genuine desire and Mm -hmm. kind of following that. Oh, so that's something I would also say, if you are willing to explore the I wish statements, you might be surprised at how naturally like actually pursuing that reality unfolds. Hmm. It's like things that are destined for us, the doors will open if we have, if we follow through with those desires, huh? Yes. And I have so many examples from that one, like us moving back and the long story, but the short version is that we ended up finding and purchasing our first home. It was the first home we looked at, like it popped up. We got an email notification the first home we ever toured, bought it completely remotely and sight unseen during COVID from a different city. And we're able to drive down to San Diego and move right in. Like the timing, like things that made no sense. If you had told me ahead of time, like everything's going to fall into place and it's going to ride on this feeling of ease. I would maybe not have believed you because my initial reaction was like, this seems impossible, but it was riding on that energy of possibility and excitement and being willing to lean into what we really wanted. It was like, think, and I see this time and time again, it's like things just fall into place when you follow those nudges. So that was a recent kind of 
mind-blowing example. Oh, that's so cool. Chills. You know, <laughs> and that just really transfers over the confidence and transfers over the possibility and the hope of like, you know, well, what's possible? You know, uh, why not? Why not me? Why yeah. not? Oh my gosh. Such a good question. Why not me? And this is, I picture like being joyfully you or having your most joyful life experience. If it's something that like if someone is listening to this right now, my sense is they're like called to it for a reason. There's a part of them inside that that wants that. And so it's like that part is already there. It's already pulling you forward. It's 100% possible. Like, why not you, right? It's like, oh, just trusting that part. And it always leads to juicy things. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Megan, for, for sharing, you know, your life and your work and the things that you do with us today at Joyfully Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I loved this conversation. I feel like we could keep talking for hours. I loved this conversation too. Like at one point I found myself like looking out and I, you know, like, like I kind of forgot I was doing a podcast because (laughs) I was like zoned into the conversation. I really enjoyed this too. Um, And also just want to open it up. Was like, is there anything else that was on your heart that you wanted to share um, to share before we uh, finish off the episode? Mm, I think it would just be an extension of the last thing I said, which is, I know we covered a lot of ground today, but it's like, if this material is resonating, if this podcast is resonating, it's like that we're talking about parts of yourself like that. I would, is the part that I would encourage anyone to lean in and start listening to a little bit more. It's probably the same part that gives off the, I wish statements. And in my experience, it's like you, what unfolds from that place, if you're willing to just listen to it a little bit more and let it guide your next step, things will unfold in ways you can't even picture right now. Like you just, my encouragement, I guess, would be like, start trusting it and start playing with that pull and that desire inside of you to slow down or to experience more joy in a way that feels good to you and just start collecting the evidence. And you will start to show yourself like, things can get so good. Things can get better than I even imagined. I don't have to change my life overnight, but like life has a way of working out really well when I trust this part inside. And I love to think about the better it gets, the better it gets. And really for me, that's just like building up that belief and flexing that muscle, building up that part inside and collecting the evidence that, oh, this leads to really incredible things. So that would be my encouragement. Like part of you that wanted to tune into this to begin with, like tune into that part a little bit, feel it out, see what it encourages you to do next. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That's so awesome. And such great insights that I know everyone listening definitely will resonate with. Um, How can people stay in touch with you? How can people come and play in the online world with you? (laughs) Yeah. So I am most active on Instagram where we connected So my handle is Meg Ladd, M-E-G-L-A-D-D. That's where I love to connect with people. And then if anyone wants to connect with me one-on-one to do an exploratory call or potentially work together, I offer those as well. And my website is just Megan, M-E-G-A-N-Ladd-L-A-D-D.com. Awesome. Okay. And guys, this will be in the show notes. So you could be able to click to go check it out. And if you guys are listening to this episode and you've enjoyed it, take a screenshot right now and post it to your Instagram story 
tag Megan, tag me, because um, this is a way that we can be able to connect with more people to create and support them in creating more joy in their life. That's where a lot of people find out about Joyfully You podcast is through Instagram. So Megan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yay. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelsey Lowe. I'm your host. You are listening to Joyfully You podcast, and I will see you on the next episode.